Guys, I want to thank the sponsors of the podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com, my friend Cody Nelson, the glassing guru, the optics authority. He's the optics manager at GoHunt.com. If you have any interest in buying optics or have any glassing questions, whether it be tripods, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, range finders, anything to do with glassing, give Cody a call, 702-847-8747, that's extension 2, or you can email him at optics at gohunt.com. You can also send him a text or call him on his cell phone at 602-399-3699. Guys, right now at GoHunt.com Insider, you can take advantage of the free trial. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash Scott. You're going to be able to take advantage of a free trial of the Insider. GoHunt is always adding more value for their Insider members. They've now added real 3D maps as a part of Insider for no additional cost. What an incredible value. Very soon, they're going to have their mobile app up as well. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash Scott and sign up for a free trial. If you're already an Insider member, it's automatically part of your Insider membership. And you can just go to the Maps tab up at the top once you sign in as an Insider. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. That's the gear that I wear on all of my hunts. To find out more, you can go to KUIU.com, Kuyu.com. They're a direct-to-consumer company. They sell everything off of the Kuyu.com website. I also do a lot of question and answer on my Instagram where I'm answering questions about guys wanting to know about gear about Kuyu, so tune into my Instagram. I want to thank Kuyu for their sponsorship. I also want to thank Phonescope.com. Use the JScott20 promo code. You're going to get a 10% discount on all orders. Again, thanks to all the sponsors of my podcast. Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. We've got our friend Daniel Franco of Burnt Timber Outfitters. Daniel owns and operates with Mike Hancock up there out of Heber, Overgard area, born and raised. Daniel, how are you doing? Doing good, Jay. Um, anxious to get you on the phone to talk to you a little bit about this last storm here for 3C and those rim country units. Uh, before we get to that, uh, you were down in Mexico with Dar. Looks like you guys had a hoot of a time down there. Oh, yeah. It's always a good time down in Mexico. And it uh, looks like you, you and Craig educated Dar on a few finer points of life. <laughs> well, you know how Craig Blackburn is. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, one, of a he's kind. a one of a kind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> when both of us are thinking of something to say and we say he's one of a kind, it pretty much sums it up right there. Uh, well, yeah, we got to be politically correct, you know. <laughs> you guys had a uh, look like a lot of fun. Um you know, kind of right in the middle of down there in Mexico on that second week, we've got that big storm, which I want to mm-hmm. talk to you about uh, with Arizona and how you feel that that storm impacted those that are thinking about applying for the draw. We're here in the last few days uh, with the draw uh, being due on uh, February 9th on, on Tuesday, I believe by 7 or don't quote me on that, but by tomorrow night. I think it's, yeah, midnight. Uh, yeah, so what do you think about this final storm that we got? You know, we're trying to gather all the data that we can prior to applying, and, you know, we do the best we can with what we have, but where are we at? What are your, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, obviously any storm is good. Um, 
I think right here in Heber, um, like I said, you know, like you said, we were in Mexico, so um, I wasn't actually here for it. But uh, when once I got here and saw kind of what it did, um, hearing kind of conflicting reports, somewhere between a foot to 16 inches, roughly, of snow, um, absolutely 100% will take it. Um, it's for the most part, it's it's melting off. Um, you know, still quite a bit of snow on the north sides, but uh, for the most part, it's melted off. Um, fairly slow. Uh, the ground is, is getting good and saturated, uh, you know, muddy, uh, as usual is what we normally get out of snows, which is going to be good. I mean, that's going to get into the ground. It's going to, uh, at least give us some, some good moisture for those, that first little bit of spring when, when stuff does start to green up, um, to be, uh, to be a little optimistic. I'm, I'm hoping that it does, um, do some good um i've been a little bit uh pessimistic going into into this draw uh just based off of what we saw uh at the end of last year um we happened to uh we happened to kill some late bulls last year uh in in 3a3c on the late hunt uh, uh one of our guides his wife had a unit one uh cow tag in in december and uh boy the elk were were not in the best of shape um of the of the late bulls that we did kill last year um five of them i believe um none of them had any fat on them um normally by the time that late hunt rolls around uh the rut's been over for you know a month month and a half and they've been kind of gorging themselves trying to build back up for winter and normally by then you know they'll, they'll start to build up some fat and have some fat reserves to to roll into the to the kind of the heaviest parts of winter and uh none of the bulls did uh from from the low country in 3a clear to the high country in 3c uh they were they were just in in pretty poor shape not no fat build up um still kind of uh skinny from the rut so you know that's that's kind of been uh weighing on my mind you know going into into this winter and into, into spring and into next year's draw uh the uh, my guy's wife that had the cow tag in unit one, she, uh, she shot a cow, um, you know, best we were guessing probably a yearling or, or two year old cow. Um, and, uh, my guide said it was, it was in probably the poorest shape that he's ever seen an elk. Uh, hip bones were sticking out. Ribs were showing shoulder top of the shoulder blades were, were sticking up. Um, not an ounce of fat. Uh, he anticipated it was probably 100 and 100 to 150 pounds underweight of what it what it should have been. Um, she's had that tag multiple times and killed a cow every time. And he said it was it was uh, just not good to see the the condition that the that 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 cow was in and that the the elk were in. You know, at the end of end of this year. So, so let me ask you a question. Do you think this storm was enough to add pressure to the already condition that wasn't good? In other words, do you think 16 inches is enough that makes it where, you know, it's they struggle to get feed or not at all? No, I don't think so. I mean, it, 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 it the, the kind of the beauty of our snowstorms is they hit, uh, they'll stick around for a little bit. Uh, the snow on the north slopes, you know, obviously will stick around longer, but I think it melts off fairly quick. So they're, they're not having to fight for food. I don't think that's an issue. Um, in fact, I, I think, like I said, I think it does more good uh, than anything just to get that moisture in the ground and, and try to get some, 
some some proteins and nutrients built up as as quick as we can in, in new growth so does this storm change your outlook as far as prior to the storm were you telling people hey you might consider a bonus point might consider not applying does this storm in your mind create a window or an opportunity where you could see that potentially we could pull out and, and potentially have a decent antler growth year for this upcoming season? Uh, with this one storm, no. Um, I, you know, guys apply for years and years and years to, to finally draw an elk tag in Arizona. I mean, a lot of these guys have, have you know, 20 plus years built up in applying. Um, and, you know, based off of what we've seen and, and, you know, previous year's experience in, you know, these the White Mountains and stuff for, for elk and moisture and whatnot, um, I don't think this one storm is, is going to change much. And the reason I say that is uh, the feed that is out there right now is, is strictly, in my opinion, sustaining life. Um, I don't think it has a lot of nutrients. We didn't get our monsoons. Uh, it was it was dry throughout you know the majority of the of the summer and fall last year. So the feed that's there is is basically just sustaining life. It, it it's not building fat as we saw on the the late bulls that we killed this year. Um, so I think this storm here, yes, it is going to to give us some some new growth this spring. Um, but I think what nutrients the animals the elk do get from that fresh growth and all the new growth i think that's going to take more than just this one storm in order to start to replenish the animal the body back to their healthy state to where it starts to to roll over and overflow into their antler growth playing the devil's advocate we've got this storm that we had there's not really a ton in the forecast but let's just say that we could put together another storm and say two three weeks and put another one together in two three weeks i mean is there a scenario that could play out in your mind or do we need one of those you know just every week another storm every week another storm um for it to be average or above average no i i i think i i think if we can get some moisture i mean every other week um as long as we can string together you know a couple more storms here in in uh february and, and into march and a couple of rains in in even april i mean we we don't get a lot in may we get very very little in may but even a a little shower or two in may i, I think that'll help a, a ton um will it completely recover us i don't know um I would like to be optimistic and say yes, but um, I think they're just, I think the elk are coming off of such a bad year and, and just malnutritioned. And I don't think they have, um, I don't think they're healthy enough for that to commute, to, to turn over into, to you translate know, antler growth. Into antler. Yeah, translate into antler growth. Gotcha. So, um, Daniel, I'm looking here at the GoHunt Insider, and to remind the listeners, if you're not a GoHunt Insider member, you can go to gohunt.com forward slash jscott. You can sign up to be a GoHunt Insider member. I'm looking at the draw odds here, and it's kind of mind-blowing to me. I want to go over a couple things. As someone born and raised there in Heber, Arizona, and about getting closer to the century mark in your life, been doing this a long time. Um, 
I'm looking at 3A3C Archery September 10th through the 23rd. There's a couple of things I want to ask you about that, but okay. look at the point totals, and it's 22 points to guarantee a tag, <laughs> and 21 has a 60% chance. You take that over to Unit mm-hmm. 1, where it's 18 points is guaranteed, so four less points for Unit 1. That's mm-hmm. one thing I want to point out. Then you look over at 4B, which is right across the street, and it's only 11 points to guarantee a tag. Mm-hmm. It's jumping around there. The biggest thing that jumps out at me is the difference between 1 and 3C in that people obviously think that 3C is that much better than Unit 1 to be 4 points more than an 18-point, 100% total in Unit 1. Your thoughts on that just as someone that's born and raised there? Well, you know, it's it's funny because five, six years ago, was flipped. Uh, unit one was the harder unit to draw. Um, and unfortunately with unit one, um, a lot of the elk winner in unit one. So when you hand out, you know, a couple hundred, three, 400 late bull tags, um, and your, your age class, your older age class bulls are getting killed on those late hunts. Um, we have seen a, a pretty rapid, steady decrease in quality in unit one. Don't you and think, I too, think, with the fire and the and the um, availability of great glassing in Unit 1 and the, the added tag numbers, the kill yes. ratio, people are just wiping them out. I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they're very they're, visible. They're, and, you absolutely. know, like in 3C, wouldn't you agree that a lot of your elk go and they winter on the reservation, where in Unit 1, a lot of elk winter right there in 27 or in 1, and now the wallow fire has made it where they're so glassable and actually made those late hunts great for seeing elk but they're killing the crud out of them yes absolutely 100 percent. yeah yeah i mean it's it's that, that's one kind of one of the positives of of 3a3c or, or 3c you know in particular is is those elk they have that safe haven they have that they have that uh that whole southern boundary of the unit is fort apache indian reservation so they've got a place to go once that rut's over where they can get away from get away from people uh they get away from you know the late hunters so yeah the late hunting 3c it's tough it's a grind um because a lot of the bulls that are in the unit in september are not there whereas in unit one um they winter in the unit it is more open it's more glassable and and you know with the added tag numbers it's yeah it's hurting the quality for sure so i think that's the biggest reason for the the four points uh difference for non-residents for between unit one and and 3c you look at those season dates of september 10th through the 23rd what immediately jumps out at you when you when you hear those dates uh you know it's a little early um some would probably claim it's too early um i mean they'll they'll be they'll be talking by then they'll be bugling i mean they're not going to be full-blown rutting um typically what we've seen the the rut in in 3c it always seems to kind of kind of hit that 20th through the 24th so i mean as long as as long as that's always in the archery season then you know we're always going to have a really good hunt um the 10th yeah, might be slightly early, but to be to be honest with you, I, I kind of like that little bit of an earlier start because if you can 
if you can find a big bull and have him located, a lot of times it's easier to get him killed uh, before he gets to rutting and running around and, you know, turning into a nomad and traveling all over and, and checking different cows. So um, it, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Uh, might be a little early, but with the right scenario and the right circumstances, it can it can actually help you. I'm looking here at the 3A3C uh, November 26th through December 2nd, so the late rifle hunts. Looks like it takes nine points to guarantee. Eight points is 51%. Um, you know, every year you talk about how tough the late hunts are, and then you guys turn around and whack them up pretty good. <laughs> so every year you say, oh, it's tough and this and that, and you guys actually do pretty dang good on those late hunts. Is a lot of that because of how well you just kind of know the little pockets and places where to go? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, those late hunts, I mean, you, you, we kind of never know what to expect on those until, you know, the, the two or three weeks leading up to the start of that hunt because you don't know which bulls are going to stay in the unit. You don't know which bulls have left. Um, so for us, our I, I firmly believe that our secret to success is the three weeks leading up to the start of that late elk hunt. Uh, as soon as we're done with our mule deer hunts, uh, we start scouting for that late elk hunt. And, I mean, we pound it from from the lowest country we can find in 3A to the highest country we can find in 3C and everything in between. Um, and just try to see what sticks around and what stayed and and where, they, where they're at and where the pockets are. And, and last year was a little different because of water. It was so dry that that, that kind of changed things up a little bit, but um, yeah, like you said, we've we've been very fortunate. We've had uh, some some really good success on those late hunts, um, but they are a grind. They're they're tough. Um, I mean, it's not uncommon to to not get over forty degrees on a day with winds and and snow and and uh, you know you're trying to trying to grind it out, trying to find a a bull that's intact, something that's not broken and. and something that has some maturity to it so uh it, it can be tough but um yeah we've been fortunate the last couple of years what would you say if you're looking at and, and let's kind of talk back to archery elk and 3c trend um you know pre-fire then after the fire and all of a sudden 3c was just trending you shot a phenomenal bull yourself and you know then you guys were were really doing well with some bulls and it kind of lulled and it seems like the quality has kind of come back um that's just my perception for someone that mm -hmm. used to run around in there a lot um nowhere nowhere near as much as you do um what's your thoughts on overall trend is it holding is it climbing is it declining what are your thoughts on that archery elk hunt as far as size uh i would say it's holding um you know it, it's funny every every same thing every year is just a little bit different you know some years you know they it kind of surprises you you're, you you see some some pretty dang good bulls and you're like wow i wasn't expecting that and then years when you think oh no this is going to be the year um it seems like we don't quite see as as big a bulls as we would hope to see but uh i think it just varies a little bit it it, it, it i think it's holding for the most part um i would still consider it to be one of the you know, one of the one of the top archery hunts in the state as far as quality. Um, I think it's it's been producing uh, over the last couple years uh, consistently. 
and uh, I think that's another reason that you see such a such a big jump in the in the points required to to draw the max pull for non-residents. So, would you say the early rifle hunt is right in the wheelhouse of the dates with the twenty fourth through the thirtieth? I mean, it's before the oh, breakage, yeah. it kind of goes in that twentieth to twenty fourth where you said they really get after it. As far as yeah. like bugling, chaotic, good rutting hunt, that's about as good a dates as you can get, isn't it? That That's about as good as you're going to get, yeah. Uh, we've seen it where when you start rolling closer into October and into the first part of October, uh, especially if you get any moisture, uh, it kind of tends to shut them down a little bit um, and can make it, I mean, a little bit harder. Um, but, yeah, this with it being uh, completely in the, the last week of September, um, yeah, it, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be super good. Let's talk a little bit about the redheaded buck two stepchild of a unit right, <laughs> right to the north 4B. Um, I like how you're laughing. Uh, you didn't know I could say that on my own podcast, did you? No, no, I didn't think that was politically correct. <laughs> um, it's it's a unit that's so goofy because it, it just it's very difficult i think because of its flat nature not really that much glassing at all and um kind of spread out kind of spotty um you know you hear mixed reports you hear some guys go up there and have you know a decent archery hunt you hear a lot of people kind of complain about people and i think it's a unit that kind of jams people on top of each other and then every once in a while a good bull will come out but the, for the most part all you hear is the sob stories well, yeah, I think the biggest thing, there, there's only 125 archery tags, archery bull tags in the unit, um, which it's not like that's an astronomical amount. It's not like it's, in my opinion, too many. Uh, the, the bigger issue is um, kind of the water, because depending on your water uh, in that unit, that will determine where your elk congregate. And it, it's not like a 3C or a 1 or, you know, 23 north or some of these other units where you know you can pretty much go out on any given day drive down the road park get out and you're going to hear a bull bugle in 4b they're they're definitely more pocketed um you've got your your pockets over here pockets over there and a lot of that is dependent on on water that for that time of year so uh what it ends up doing is it ends up putting more hunters on top of each other so kind of jams um, them up because everyone's kind of, kind of chasing the exactly, same elk and exactly so a little bit of bugling and they're out at night listening and everybody's clammed up on the same pocket in the morning exactly right? yep so you know so yeah you, you run into that quite a bit and that's i think that's where you get a lot of the mixed reviews now if you can find areas and, and little pockets that are you know out of the way you know places that the Joe public doesn't know about um you can you can get off into some areas and into some pockets and have some bulls to yourself and and some guys you know do that and they they have a phenomenal hunt um so I, I think that's the biggest thing I think that's where you get a lot a lot of the mixed reviews on the unit um I mean I, I've hunted it um quite a few times uh, I've kind of helped uh, guys in the unit. I've actually guided in the unit. Um, so it, it, it kind of depends. It changes year to year. It all depends on who draws the tags as to um, 
you know, is is this little honey hole going to have five other guys in Colburn, there? Colburn, then you shoot a big bull. Is that what you're telling me? Every time you help the Colburns, it's like big bull down. I get another text, big bull down, and Daniel's uh, smiling face is the first one I see. But yeah, well, I'll tell you what, you got to have that Colburn luck. <laughs> that's not the norm, though. I mean, would you agree? I mean, it's no, just it's it, a tough it's unit. Not. It is a tough unit. It definitely is a tough unit. I mean, that's. I think a lot of that is, you know, just having hunted it for my entire life and, and you know, knowing a lot of these little pockets and, oh, if there's people here, then we need to go check over here and go check this and go check that. And, yeah. You know, just little stuff like that. And that's, you know, kind of what I've done, been able to do with Dar and Parker uh, the last couple tags they've had is, you know, go try this, go check that. Ooh, there's no water there. Go check over here. See if there's water there. Oh, yep, here's towels. Okay, there's going to be yeah you know bulls there type of deal so but i do recall texts from dar saying i'm never doing this again and i'm like well you told me that a couple of years ago and I, yeah but i'm never doing this again and then all of a sudden oh here's a smiling picture of a smiling face of a big bull and it's like oh, yeah okay um i want to shift gears real fast we, we're not going to okay. go into depth but you're such a sandbagger you and mikey you, I, I have you on the podcast is that politically about, correct having a, talking about mule deer and you're like yeah you know, 3c you know it's kind of coming along and this and that and then you just <laughs> slay them again on the mule deer hunt and we're going to talk more when we get into may and june but your outlook for mule deer and what are the mule deer and 3c doing um, so and Give me the real scoop because this, <laughs> eh, I think like 170, 180, and then you're like 206, 199, 201. Uh, like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I'm not sandbagging. I'm just not yeah. playing all my cards. That's uh, all. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the, the, the Mule Deer and 3C are doing good. Um, I still think we're seeing a slight decline in numbers of mature deer to be brutally honest um going into last year um i was a little bit skeptical and then as as the weeks of scouting started to take place and we started to kind of get an inventory of bucks it, it you know it quickly changed to more optimistic um going into this year we're pretty optimistic i'll tell you that um there's there's quite a few bucks that we know about that made it through the season last year. Um, barring, you know, they don't get lion killed or, or poached or both. Um, I think there will be a pretty good inventory of bucks next year. That's, that's kind of our anticipation and our hope. Okay. Uh, what's talk. the drought going to do? Yeah. That's, that's yeah. the wild card. Yeah. And we can talk about more of it when we get into the deer and, um, mm -hmm. sheep stuff. But, um, I do, let's see, what else was I going to bust you about? I do <laughs> want to bust your chops about a recent video on Instagram where it looked like daddy was searching for his last breath of, breath of oxygen on a, on a big elk shed. You dropped off into some hole gathering oxygen, and there's my buddy just breathing like a stuck. <sighs> Tell me about that. <laughs> so that was uh, down in 23. Was that a, you know how a dare that you lost a bet on and had to go climb down there and get it no it was one of them stupid curiosity kills the cat type of deal so we were we were down in 23 uh this last december with with mike's uh youngest boy dane he had a, a coos deer tag 
And uh, one of the mornings there, we're, we're glassing this awful country, as you know, 23. And uh, Devin ends up glassing up this shed. And he's like, hey, I got a pretty good shed over here. So we look at it, and I spotting scope it. And I'm going, man, you know, good bottom end, good good third, good fours. I said, man, that's a pretty big shed. Well, none of us were feeling young enough that we wanted to <laughs> cross this ginormous canyon to go get it that day. So we left and went and hunted coos deer and and it's just been kind of eating at me this whole time going man i'd like to see what this shed is and more than that i've picked up other sheds in this area and was kind of wondering if it was maybe a match to one i picked up previously or whatnot so the other day i got a bonehead idea to go down there and retrieve it and uh well needless to say i'm not in the shape I used to be in, unless you consider round a shape. <laughs> no, it was it was nasty. It was uh, it didn't look that bad when you're glassing across the canyon at it, but to drop off into this nasty canyon and back up the other side, it uh, it was way worse than I was anticipating. <laughs> and I was hoping to find the other side, and that didn't happen either. So it was a pretty good shed, wasn't it? It was. So it's a one seventy seven and three eight single. Nice. Um, so, I mean, give him a, a matching other side with a 38-inch spread, and, I mean, he's going to be right there in the low 390s. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. So, yeah, really good shit. Awesome, man. About, well, uh, about three years older than I like to see him, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I uh, had to give you a hard time about that. I just cracked up. That was kind of made, made my whole month, actually. Um, oh, shoot. Because I've followed you around enough with my tongue out, so watching you struggle for oxygen i just enjoyed that um <laughs> buddy it's always great having you on the podcast uh guys check out burnt timber outfitters uh, daniel want to give you a chance to let people know how they can reach you guys uh if you got a 3c tag 4b unit one any of those rim country units give these guys a call but daniel tell us where the, tell everybody where they can find you and i'll link it up in the show notes as well so we actually just updated our website. I think on our last podcast, we were talking that we got hacked. And uh, when you would Google search it, it would take you to a site selling Viagra. <laughs> so we're, we're no longer in the Viagra business. We've got our uh, updated site up, uh, changed it, changed profile, different things. So uh, you can find us at burnttimberoutfitters.com. You can Google search it, do whatever. Uh, it's got all of our pictures, contact information, email, cell phone numbers, Um or you can follow us on uh, Instagram uh, at Burnt Timber Outfitters. Um, we also have um, a Facebook page. We don't update it near as often as we should. Uh, we do keep our Instagram uh, and also personal accounts, uh, which is Franco underscore BTO. Uh, or for Mike, it's Mikey with two E's underscore BTO. Um, awesome. We try to try to post as much as we can. So Right on, man. Uh, great having you on the podcast. Uh, let's keep it uh, keep it snowing, get some moisture, keep it coming, and hope for the Amen. best. And uh, God bless. It's always great uh, talking to you. I know Dar had a ball with you guys in Mexico, so uh, we'll be oh, yeah. chatting at you down the road, okay? Okay. All right, buddy. Thanks, Jay. Bye.